You're listening to The Self-Advocate on CSRO Co-op Radio 100.5 FM on the unceded territories of the Musqueam, Squamish, and Tsleil-Waututh peoples with your host, Allison Klein. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Allison Mira. Eir Taniyap. Kwiget Yuan's Kwiensna. Hi, everybody. My name is Kwiget Yuans. I'm a member of the Squamish Nation and the Yagalanis Clan of the Haida Nation. You're listening to Co-op Radio, CFRO 100.5 FM. We live, work, play, and broadcast from the traditional, ancestral, and unceded territories of the Musqueam, Squamish, and tsleil Nations. This episode, I'm doing something a little different because I'm doing two different themes at the same show. My first theme will be about back to school and my second theme will be on the events that are happening really soon in Vancouver. But first, let's play our intro theme song, Possibilities by Key Sarah. The song you just heard is Possibilities by Key Sarah. Key Sarah is a mother-daughter duo from Ontario, and the daughter who is singing is on the autism spectrum. You're listening to The Self-Advocate on CFRO Co-op Radio 100.5 FM with your host, Allison Klein. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Allison Mira. So my first theme today is all about 
back to school because school is starting up really soon. My first guests are Nicole and Chantel from BC Ed Access and ADHD Advocacy Society of BC. Thank you both so much for being on my show. First off, why BC Ed Access? What makes BC Ed Access stand out and help kids with complex needs in the school system. I'll start with you, Nicole. Hi. Well, thanks for uh, thanks for having us. Um, it, like you said, it's back to school season, and BC Ed Access exists, um, and this is one of the big seasons for us because it really isn't back to school for all uh, children in British Columbia. Not all families have the luxury of dropping their kids off on the first, second, third or even the second month of school. And um, the reality is our schools aren't, um, aren't equipped, aren't meeting the needs or are choosing not to be equipped or meeting the needs of children with complex medical and learning needs. So that's why we exist. And that's why this time of year, we start to get organized. We refuel over the summer and um, we prepare ourselves to really support one another as families to ensure that um, all of our children um, get to experience and have all the great opportunities that come with school. So Chantel, you've made the ADHD Advocacy Society of BC off of the launch pad of BC Ed Access. Like we've known each other for a long time now, three years. What inspired you to make the ADHD Society of BC? Well, um, so BC and Access, we we really target all kids with disability, complex learning needs, neurodivergent um, and stuff. We wanted that umbrella to encompass everyone and to help everybody um, equitably access an education. And um, for years, I've discussed with the other board members, Nicole and Tracy, um, and stuff about how ADHD has been really kind of like left behind because they don't get an automatic designation at school. A lot of people think it doesn't really exist. Um, you know, uh, so they have to, the kid has to be in crisis to finally get any support and stuff. And, you know, I'm hearing that more like, so much. Um, I myself was late diagnosed with ADHD last year. And um, I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm me and some other friends were just like, they were also have ADHD. And they're like, you know what, we're just done. We need to like get, we need to target specifically ADHD um, in a different way, right? BC at Access um, advocates for all disabilities and stuff. And that is extremely important to have that, that wider voice. Um, but with ADHD, we decided um, to branch off and to really go after the, the ADHD aspect of it um, toward on the side kind of thing, right? So yeah, it's been a really great uh, learning experience and um, I'm hoping we can make a, a dent um, and get get those kids getting equitably access uh, equitable access to supports as well. That's a a huge thing to have kids with equitable access who have complex needs. It was a real bugger for my mom trying to get access for both my brother, one of my brothers and me, who both have learning disabilities and trying to get the best accommodations for both of us. The schools did not give us the appropriate accommodations and the appropriate push and learning outcomes, which caused no end of grief for all of us, the whole family. Subsequently, kids didn't understand and were mean, understandably because they didn't understand what was happening. What are you, Nicole, being part of and the chair of BC Ed Access, what are you finding now getting ready to go back to school for BC Ed Access? Um, I would say, you know, we do rely quite heavily on the reporting from the exclusion tracker, which we've had going for about four years. Um, and, and we see trends from that. Um, obviously, we've seen consistently that, um, that a lot of students are not afforded equitable access to education. Um, but one of the other trends we're seeing is that it's starting right from kindergarten. So even our really little ones aren't being welcomed um, into school right off the get-go. Um, and 
you know, one touch point I want to, I just want to mention because of what you said about your experience with having a learning disability is um, our hope is to really keep this conversation out in the public about how our community spaces of learning are not, um, are not, are, are not facilitated the learning of people with learning disabilities. Like it's the learning is, is in that term, right? So this is the place where there is supposed to be that expertise on this particular um, um, field. And, and, you know, for BC at Access, I think what has happened through COVID is that some of it, myself included, we tend to just sort of excuse it a little bit because it's been such an abnormal time for everything. But it's time for us to settle back into the idea that um, equitable education is part of an equitable, just and fair society, which we presume to support and have. So we just want to keep the conversation front and center and not keep the front the conversation front and center um, you know, with the, uh, the quote unquote understanding about the exceptional time and the pandemic and, and everything else. No, it's, it's time for us to just really say once again, um, school is for everybody. And we're going to keep pointing out the times where it isn't meeting the needs of absolutely everybody. And, um, and hopefully through that, we are supporting our families, supporting our children and starting to make some progress. Being the devil's advocate and hearing you, Nicole, mm -hmm. about getting equitable access for all of the kids, how can we be equitable for everyone? How can teachers and schools accommodate everyone? And that's a question I think that gets thrown back on those of us who are faced with oppression. You know, people will turn around and look at you and say, well, what do you want us to do about it? And honestly, um, you know, I, I have lots and lots of suggestions because I'm a very, very smart person and I work with very, very smart people. But I think the most important thing is we don't accept the idea that it is the responsibility of our families and our children to solve the problems and the failings of our institutions. This is literally your work. So for you to turn around, and, and I'm not saying you, Personally, Allison, I know that you're playing devil's advocate. I get that. But I think we need to step out of that position where we feel responsible for also finding the solution. Because what happens is when you're overwhelmed and your children are overwhelmed and a teacher or a principal or a superintendent looks at you and says, well, what do you want us to do about it? And you don't have that answer. It makes you feel like, yeah, you should take your child home. And the reality is, it's not your responsibility to find your that answer. It is the institution's responsibility to find that answer. School is for everybody, period. Um, finding the way to make it that way is the work. That is literally the work of, of schools. So um, I think um, as much as I would like to throw out a lot of different ways that um, children can be better included in schools. A lot of our specific advocacy groups, like Chantal was talking about, the, um, the ADHD Advocacy Society, we have autism societies, we have um, lots of different societies that are very specific with their children's and their community's needs with the school system. Um, how to translate that into making sure kids are staying in school. That's the work that we need to push for our institutions and our ministry to start doing. I was thinking it's as simple as putting in a wheelchair ramp and it benefits everyone, not just those who have mobility aids. Absolutely. It is, none of this is actually, it's not actually hard in my opinion. What's hard is having the willingness to just to figure it out. If someone needs to get into a building, you figure out how to get them into that building. Um, if somebody needs to access literature, you know, what do you need to do for that individual? I know that the reason we struggle so much is because our schools are designed 
for the quote unquote masses or the quote unquote norm. And if you design around, you know, everybody who doesn't need the wheelchair ramp and you say, well, 99 out of, 99 out of these hundred kids can just walk up those three stairs. And so that's good enough. Then you're still leaving out that one child. What has changed, I think, in the last decade, and my daughter who has a disability is 21 now, so I can see a big change over the last, you know, 16 years. What has really changed is that it's not one out of 100 anymore. We're talking 30 or 40 out of 100 kids that aren't, act, aren't able to walk up those three stairs. And so whereas when you can ignore the one, it's si and it's a silent minority, when you're hitting when you're hitting this tipping point that we're at, where we have so many children um, that aren't accessing school, um, it, it it's it's it was never acceptable, but now it's becoming um, we're at a, a point of crisis. Really, our children are not children aren't supposed to be at home, right? Children are supposed to be in school. They're supposed to be bettering themselves every day. They're supposed to be doing the things that make them feel like they're part of a community. They're supposed to be social. They're supposed to be making friendships. They're supposed to be learning how to learn. And um, the numbers we're seeing with our exclusion tracker is that it's, it's a critical point of a lot of students and a lot of children and youth not getting that. Can I just add something to that, Nicole, if you don't mind? Always um, add. <laughs> I, I love, love, love what you said about, you know, it's their kind of their job to figure that out, right? Like, I just, I love that. And I, I'm really going to put that out there to a lot more parents because I see so many parents in crisis. And I'm like, what can I do? What can I do? It's like, well, you know, you're not getting paid for that. They're getting paid for that. So important. But like, I look at this exclusion of these children and the negative outcomes that we're going to see down the road. Um, I, I see, you know, like we, we talk about the, the, the uh, school to prison pipeline, right? And, and that's how I see this as well. Like we talk about mental health and addictions and adults and homelessness and stuff like that. This is where it starts. It starts in school. It starts in the community when they're younger, right? That path is being created now for them. And if we don't do something, if we don't work on prevention um, and intervention, um, we're going to have to be reactive instead of proactive. And this is what we're seeing in society now. Like people are like, oh, I don't understand why there's so many homeless people. And I, I'm, I'm thinking to myself, what is their story from the childhood? What is their story from that? And, and I, I can guarantee you there have been kids that have been missed, that have been excluded, that have been, um, you know, uh, uh, not finished school, not graduated, um, and stuff like that. So, you know, we talk about ACE scores and stuff like that. Well, school is a part of that. And if we don't properly support them in school, what are we going to have later? Absolutely. And it's, it's more than just the educational component. It's, it is that sense of belonging to a community. Um, and, and, you know, excluding a child from school, you are excluding them from society um, from a young age and normalizing that. Their peers see that it is normal for some people to just not be a part of the community. And if you do that to a six-year-old, you're doing, and then it turns into a 17-year-old, 18-year-old, and then you have an adult. And, um, you know, my daughter's 21 now. So, it would seem as if, you know, my advocacy would turn to um, inclusion of adults um, in society and in our communities. And honestly, what I see the key to it all is, is children and youth and what happens in schools. What happens in schools models what happens to our adults and out in the community when they're older. And if we don't start doing this properly, we're going to have more and more people like Chantel said, um, school to prison pipeline, homelessness, underemployed, forcing people into poverty um, because they haven't had the opportunities that there's, we're supposed to get um, as children to, to be our best selves, support ourselves, to have stable 
um, housing and income and food security and all those things. It starts with school. My mom likes to say, penny saved in school, then you have to spend a pound or a dollar later in life. So it becomes more yeah. expensive because all you did was save that one penny. And Absolutely. That mindset. Moms are so wise. I just want to say that. <laughs> Moms are so wise. <laughs> so if you spend that one penny, you save that dollar. So putting in that ramp, making spaces in the classroom that are quieter for kids with sensory issues. Yes, you have to spend a little bit of money, but in the long run, you save a lot more. Yeah. And yeah. you get kids who will advocate for for one another. Well, and it's interesting that you say, talk about costs too. Like I look at costs and I know that that the bottom line for the ministries are 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 big, right? Like they're looking at that, but and then, you know, it, it tr all trickles down and everybody's looking at the cost. Oh, well, what does it cost? What does it cost to do this? Well, it's already being done. There are many places that are doing inclusion right, right? So we don't have to reinvent the wheel. We just need to go at, go to those people and say, "What are you doing?" Right. Like I look at how, you know, just changing like simple things like maybe removing so much clutter on the walls, you know, so it's less visually stimulating, you know, um, reducing the lighting, like lower the lighting a little bit in the classroom instead of fluorescent lighting. Like these are all things actually that don't actually cost anything. It just um, it takes a little time and a little work um, that could make a huge difference for the whole classroom. Right. So um, I think. I think we got to look at cost is not really the cost. It's, it's really like how much are we willing, like Nicole said earlier, how much are we willing to do it? How much are we willing to do it? And with that, don't go anywhere because there will be more about education and back to school on The Self-Advocate on CFRO Co-op Radio 100.5 FM with your host, Alison Klein. Bring the money in. It's the Co-op Radio Membership Drive. Join us for special programming featuring the best that Co-op Radio has to offer. In-depth interviews, alternative music, local arts and culture. Click that donate button at coopradio.org. Support one of Canada's first and longest running community radio stations. That's coopradio.org. Money's the root of all evil. Put a nickel in the pot, boy. It's true, I've found. Put a dime in the pot, but boy. But this money is far a real good cause. So everybody stick around. Down a quarter. Bring the money in. Bring the money in. We won't have no dough to spend until you bring that money in. You're listening to The Self Advocate on CFRO Co-op Radio 100.5 FM with your host, Allison Klein. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Allison Mira. So right now I am talking with Nicole, who is the chair of BC Ed Access, and Chantel, who is also part of BC Ed Access and is the chair of ADHD Advocacy Society of BC, because we're going back to school really soon. What have been some of the gains or since starting BC Ed Access and now going back to school, Nicole, for BC Ed Access and for kids in BC with complex needs? I think one of the biggest uh, gains and, and benefit of just the society as a whole is that um, we've got the benefit of community and of experience. And we're hitting the season of back to school. We're going to have new parents coming into this. Um, there are parents and families who have been doing it for a while. And we have our wealth, our combined, our communal um, experiences and the information that we can share with one another. Um, things do change very quickly. So 
although the benefit of experience, it changes with, you know, different governments and different school districts and different people, um, principals and teachers, having community support, having a roadmap, um, the path to advocacy, knowing who to call, um, all of those things we have um, as a group and we share with one another. So I know when I first started, it can be really isolating. Um, you, you show up at school, your child is different, things are hard. Um, our big benefit is really each other and the sense of community um, so that, you know, the, the goal is obviously that all of our kids are going to be in school, but the other goal is that we, we keep each other healthy and we keep each other grounded and, um, that no one really feels isolated or defeated by the situation that we're in and that we don't al allow the systems to, um, get us to the point that we're so exhausted that we walk away. And that doesn't mean that when people do make choices, um, different choices than brick and mortar school that they're walking away. Um, when I say that, what I mean is, regardless of what's happening with our individual children and students, as a collective, we are continuing to move in the direction of um, equitable access to education. And, um, you know, we're not going to be dissuaded from that. So I'm looking forward to another school season, even though it is going to be hard and I'm going to have a lot of heartbreak when I see what parents are going through because I know that I have some lived experience that will benefit others and that, um, that together we're just gonna, we're gonna keep on this path. So it's hopeful. Um, I'm also really excited that groups like the ADHD Advocacy Society of BC have, you know, that are, that are coming out that as a group, when we see that there are um, holes or issues or, or places that we can expand in our advocacy, um, with shared, you know, all that shared knowledge leads to things like that developments that are going to ultimately help other kids. So I'm excited. I'm weary. I'm, I'm really happy to be here to be talking to you about it. And, um, yeah, that's where we are September around the corner for a parent of a child with a complex need like a learning disability or complex medical needs starting this new year and they're worried about their kid what's one piece of advice you would give to that parent nicole one piece of advice um that's hard i mean it really depends on my state of mind where i go with that but because some weeks i gotta be honest i'm like okay we're gonna help you burn down the building right and then other weeks i feel like the most important thing is you stay true to why you're doing the work for your child um and and staying really centered and breathing deep and and not losing you know the love and care and the centering of your family um, because it's really easy to do that and to either get so caught up in the fight that you're angry all the time or get so caught up in the fight that you're, you're terrified. And when you're angry and terrified all the time, you actually just get really burnt out and depressed. So my one piece of advice I think would be a lot about, and I hate this term self-care because what the heck is that when you're, when you're fighting these systems like this all the time, but, um, is it really is about keeping your sense of self and um, taking care of yourself and your family in whatever way you can do that. It's different for everybody. Um, and remembering that you really aren't alone. It does feel very isolating and alone, but you're not. You, you honestly aren't. My mind is always on families that I have never met before, right? And stories that I haven't even heard yet. Like my heart, my mind, it's always there. And so my one piece of advice is to like, you know, try to dig deep and remember that we're here for each other. How about for you, Chantel? What's one piece of advice you would give to a parent of a child with a complex need? Okay, there, there, there are two things, but I, I, I love what Nicole said, because that is the core of it. Like you have to have that grounding first before you can launch yourself into real advocacy. I find it that one is a really good, important piece to remember. Um, it's the most important piece. Um, I have actually two little ones. Um, well, they're not little, but one of them, the big one is know your rights, know your rights as a family, as a parent, as a student, um, within the education system. 
Um, we have a, a, a pamphlet that we created a while ago in regards to that. And now we're actually partnering with FSI, Family Support Institute, to create a toolkit, an advocacy toolkit for education um, that folks can go to. And, and uh, the first part of that is what your rights are as a parent um, and as a student. I'm extremely good to know um, and have in your back pocket. But another one too is, is every time, this time of the school year, I tell everybody, make a cheat sheet for your kid. And what that is, um, um, Champions for Mental Wellness, uh, um, Karen Copeland created this cheat sheet that I love. And it basically is about what your, what, who your kid is, right? Like just a really quick breakdown, like your kid's name, his age, what are their interests? What are their dislikes? Um, you know, what are they going to have challenges with? What are their strengths, right? It's a really quick, quick, like a snapshot of your child. And um, I suggest to all parents to fill that in and hand it to the teacher the first day of school and say, you know, like, here you go. Like, I know you don't have, might, might have, not have time to re read the IEP or anything like that, but um, here's a really quick breakdown of what my kid is like. Um, and you can read this on your time, right? Because we, we can't, like, it's, it's hard to talk to the teacher, you know, all the kids are filing in and stuff like that. And you might want to tell the teacher about your kid and stuff, and you just might not have the time for that, um, on the first day or two. So that these are for the new parents who are just coming in. And I say this to all, I do this anyways, um, to, for my kids every single school year, because it's a new teacher, a new face, you know, a new environment, um, Fill that in and hand it over and I've, I've given it, I've gotten copies and if it's a new school, I give it to the principal, I give it to the resource teacher, I give it to the teacher, give it to an EA if there's an EA involved. Um, and it, and I've only heard good things from staff because they're like, you know, our first couple of days are so chaotic and it's so hard to sit down with the parents. I would love to change that. We should be having prep time a week beforehand with the EAs. Everybody should get paid for it. The week before, they all sit down and they can meet with the parents, um, go over the IEPs, stuff like that, and get that built in before all the other kids. Because all the other kids are going to come in and they're going to put their backpack where they need to put their backpack. And it's, it's another school year sort of thing, right? But our kids are the ones that are going to have the biggest trouble coming in. So we need to plan for them. Um, and I think as parents, we need to also push that uh, more um, and say, like, look, like, you know, my kids are going to have a hard time if we don't work on these things. Let's do some prevention now um, and get them in so they're not going to get excluded right away, you know, so that the kids see them at their best, right? The other kids see them at their best when they come into that classroom. So, yeah, that's what I would say for sure. Be able to have that little cheat sheet of who the kid is more than their disability and to take care of yourself as well. There's a lot of burnout. and. If it's taking a bath or it's, hey, I can't be on my cell phone. I'm leaving it for five minutes. Don't talk to me for five minutes really helps just reset everything. I think that's really important. Agreed. What do you hope in the future for your education and school for kids with complex needs, Nicole? Um, the future of school, actually, period. I think we need to really change the way our education system works. And I'm not the first one to say it. It's almost cliche at this point. Um, but it needs to change for everybody. And um, and I think that's key. We talk a lot about decolonizing. Um, education and our institutions and really looking at, you know, how did we even start on this path of the way schools operate? Where did this all come from? And, and it's hard because it's dismantling just a lot of things that are really, really ingrained, but it's the root of our issue. The root of our issue is that, um, is that we've, we've, we've normalized, um, a way of being that is non-inclusive um, and that needs to change. When I went to school, they were still ranking people, right? Like you would know who was first in the class, second in the class, third. Like all of these, these things as I get older and um, you know, having a child with a disability made me rethink it, but I also have two other kids. I don't like the way the school system operated for them either or operates. So you know, there are different ways of teaching and learning and being um, in our schools and the future of education 
is doing things in a way um, that's different than the way it was done a uh, hundred years ago. So I think that's a good goal, right? It's a great goal. How about for you, Chantal? What do you hope for the future for school? Literally that, the same thing as redesigning that environment and making it accessible for everybody. I, I truly think it can happen. I think that if we really like, like really looked at things, we could make that happen. Um, it just takes the will and um, the collaboration um, amongst everyone to really like sit down at the table and like like look at things very differently. The world's changing too. The like, world is changing and school has to change with how the world is changing. How can the listener find BC Ed Access and find the ADHD Advocacy Society of BC. I'll start with BC Ed Access and you, Nicole. Um, well, we have our website, which is BC Ed Access. So B-C-E-D-A-C-C-E-S-S dot com. Um, our, our growth, our, our birth, our beginnings was from um, our Facebook page um, by the same name. And that is the easiest, you know, um, way to connect, I think, because we did come from families supporting other families. And yeah, and there's a lot of other great groups for advocacy. You know, I want to mention the Family Support Institute, as well as Inclusion BC. Um, all of these groups, we do very similar work um, across all disabilities. Um, those two groups aren't specific to education, but I feel like if you connect with any one, you'll, you, you'll find the others. And our goal is really just as um, a community of families um, to, to help each other find whatever group, whatever path, whatever method, whatever support system is going to work best for you. So that's the best way to uh, find us though. And how can the listener find the ADHD Advocacy Society of BC, Chantel? Well, right now we're work we're feverishly working on the website because um, we're going to be at the advocacy conference that BC Access puts on. Um, so I'm going to, I'm going to let Nicole plug that one, but we're, we're going to be there. And so we need to finish up our website and get that run up and running, but we are on Facebook, ADHD Advocacy Society of BC. Um, sorry. It's so such a long, long title. I, I didn't want it that way, but um, the, the titles register was like, Oh, nope, sorry. We're not going to take a shorter one. Um, so we were there, we're on Twitter and we, um, are Instagram as well. I, although we don't do Instagram so much yet, um, but we're on Twitter and we're on Facebook right now. Um, yeah. So look out for the website that should be coming up soon. And we'll have a bunch of resources there that are specific to BC, um, that we felt was lacking. So we want to, we want to make sure that people in BC know what to do with what they can do here in BC. Go check both BC Ed Access and the ADHD Advocacy Society out. BC Ed Access on their website and Facebook and the ADHD Advocacy Society out on Twitter. Thank you both so much for being on my show. Coming up next, I will be talking about events that are happening in Vancouver that will be so much fun to go and to attend. So don't go anywhere because there will be more on the self-advocate on CFRO Co-op Radio 100.5. FM with your host, Allison Klein. Vancouver Co-op Radio, CFRO 100.5 FM. An idea we're stealing. Vancouver's original community radio station since 1975. Vancouver Cooperative Radio, CFRO 100.5 FM. Homemade, not store-bought. You're listening to CFRO Co-op Radio 100.5 FM and The Self-Advocate with your host, Allison Klein. So this episode is a little different because I'm doing two different ideas in one episode. I just finished talking with Chantel and Nicole from BC Ed Access about going back to school. So now I'm going to switch it up 
because there are events happening in September when people are just going back to school. Theater events, which will be so much fun. Something to learn to go back to school for and have, still have fun. I am going to be talking with Susanna and Tyson of Theater Terrific. And they are putting on a play, a theater performance for the Vancouver Fringe Festival on Granville Island. And I'm volunteering for it this year, again this year. So everybody has to go. I'll be the volunteer who probably is the most brightly dressed. Everybody will probably spot me. It's a lot of fun to go to the Vancouver Fringe Festival. And they're highlighting people with disabilities. Thank you so much, Susanna and Tyson, for being on my show. And being on my show again, Susanna. My first question is for you, Tyson. What interested you in joining Theatre Terrific? I got to a fair at the Roundhouse. Oh, that's cool. I work nearby to the the Roundhouse, and it's a fun, fun community center. I got to a fair at the Roundhouse, saw you, we talked. With Susanna. Oh, that's cool. And how did you, Susanna, get involved with Theatre Terrific? Um, I got involved. um, I am blessed with a daughter who was born with uh, cognitive brain damage and who is so brilliant and has been, I'm going to say, one of my greatest guides. (laughs) And uh, when I was doing theater and film and TV and all that, and she wanted to do theater. So I uh, went to a workshop that they were giving way back in 2005, I think, and ended up leading the workshop um, with some interesting exercises and was hooked. It hooks you and doesn't let, want to let you go. That is correct. <laughs> I, I find the voices mm-hmm. and the actions and the lived perspectives. Mm-hmm. I consider myself a perpetual student. Mm-hmm. Um, and I collaborating with artists mm-hmm. of all abilities, it's a gift. It is. The Fringe Festival got me hooked into volunteering with them over and over and over again yeah yeah the fringe festival what is so wonderful is they're really the first group that acknowledged us as a viable performers and welcomed us and so i'm really grateful always we've done i think 17 shows with them something like that so i'm really you know i just really respect they they respected us and what we had to offer right from the start right tyson yeah they did and it was um yeah just to be welcomed and valued and respected was meant a lot for our community it does for you tyson what are some of the highlights or positive hearts of performing with theater terrific music classes and drama classes music and drama classes I really liked my drama classes when I was younger as well they were a lot of fun music not so much Tyson sings in our choral class he is part of that I would go to my teachers and I go do we have to put that musical on yet again really do we have to do Greece again we we make our we have a wonderful composer that's working with us Angela Maroney we have a drummer Bill Beauregard an indigenous drummer and we we really we value the different sounds that voices can make. Tyson has a really unique sound and his voice is present. Um, so we really welcome that. I was one of those that my music teachers did not like me. Oh, so. no, you know what? Singing or, or you know, the, the chance, the opportunity to sing actress is a completely different part of your brain. And it shouldn't be confined to the correct notes or the correct, I think the sounds that one can contribute, they all have value. They have value. Just need to find out where they fit in. I was one of those oddball kids. I was 14 and I had music class on 9-11. And my music teacher said, what will we think of 9-11 10 years on? I turned to him and I said, I don't know. I'm 14. Good for you. 
Yeah, I know. Good for you. Um, no. <laughs> I just remember that day saying in music class saying, I don't know, I'm 14. Yeah, but that's very, that's a very honest statement. I think that's lovely. Right, Tyson? I mean, I think, you know, uh, yeah. Honest and authentic. Good for you. I think it's great. <laughs> and looking back and I go, yeah, the world had changed so much in 10 years. We had better cell phones. We had better technology and everything. I think I had kind of foreseen that. Saw mm. in the future that we didn't know what the future held because there's just so much advancement. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that, look, look, look what we're doing right now. You know, and giving like Tyson an opportunity to, you know, have a say and, and look how we can do it. We can share this. This is I mean, that's pretty phenomenal. You know, we can we're looking at each other. I know this will be voice. So, you know, just voice. But we can look at each other and share, um, which is pretty remarkable. It's actually we can look at it as a challenge. You know, how do we share creatively like this online? How do we? give we always do online right Tyson we do a giving and a receiving on our zoom stage we give like I say to you I give today the wonderful fan in my room that's keeping me cool and and then I give it to someone like I could give it to Tyson right I could give it to you and then he receives it and then he would give me something or give give you something he could give you, you could give Allison something, give her something. My happy. Maybe you're happy. And Thank then we you. always, yeah, we do always an eight. Yes, we always do that. Thank you. What are some of the hard parts or difficulties in performing, Tyson? I don't like, I like do a play it had written already. You like having stuff that is made for you and because it's harder to say things sometimes uh, and make your own ideas. Do you know that I have theater club in Maple Ridge? <laughs> oh, that's cool. I didn't know that. You're supposed to be talking about theater terrific, my friend. <laughs> For example, how many shows have you been in in theater terrific? I'm going to push that. How many shows? Like, oh my gosh, seven or eight? And our shows are devised shows. Eight? Eight shows. Oh, that's cool. And you make your all your own plays and shows with theater traffic, which is even better. It's really tough sometimes to also, like, with all of the new technology. And with you, Tyson, I see it's hard sometimes to press for your typing things. It's not always user-friendly, they say. So it, it's frustrating, very frustrating. You can be frustrated at the technology and frustrated with others who are butting in and talking around you. And you want to say, shut up, let me talk. Just let me talk. I'm here. Tyson, you should put your word, I have something to say, because it's very loud and clear when you put that on your, on your talking board. And he'll repeat yeah. it like, I have something to say. It's very clear and we get it. I do the same thing. When people talk over me, I'm over here, down here. It surprises people. We have a practice tonight. We have practice tonight. That'd be a lot of work. It's good to have practice because it's going to be so loud and so many people and running around and practicing before really helps. You see people in these wild and wonderful costumes. Because we have a practice tonight because we just starting to work the play. Oh, oh, that's cool. So it'll be an original play, which is even better. I like those original plays a lot. It's a lot of fun. I think last year, Theatre Terrific had a play for the Fringe Festival, and it was over Halloween, so I wore an orange witch's hat. All of us volunteers sat in the theatre, and I had this funny witch's hat on because it was Halloween. What was that? Like, was that Windows, or was that uh, digital? Was that digital online, or...? No, it was in person at the performance work. 
Oh, yes, 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 yes. Digital fracture. Digital yes. fracture, yes. Yeah. And I just, I remember hearing about it through another volunteer, John. The staff said, we all have to go. We all have to come and sit in and watch the play. And I said, of course. And one of the other performers, Daryl. And I know Daryl through Special Olympics. And I saw his mom while I was selling tickets. Yeah, Daryl. Daryl will be with us hopefully. He's um, his aide right now. Couldn't come last week, but he will be with us. Also, I mean, Daryl's kind of our right, Tyson. He's sort of our what do you call it? Our touchstone. He really is. Yeah, we love him. Yeah, we really do. We we really he's a touchstone for us. <laughs> Very much so. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully this year we'll get a lot of tickets. Oh, I hope so. I hope so. It, it's going to be very different. Uh, it, may I? Is that okay, Tyson? May I just, yeah. You know, uh, this show um, has more movement, music, and sound. And the talking is is very, you know, it's very personal and short. Um, we just really, we're finding that sort of post-pandemic reconnecting with each other and with the world around us, it's a bit of a journey. So it's been, um, yeah, right, right, Tyson. Yeah, it's been a bit of a, how do we do that? And what are the difficulties? What's hard for us? You know, um, we've had a number of people that are out with COVID. And so, you know, we're trying to be as cautious and, you know, as careful as we can. And yet we're so happy to be together in, in a space where in the Christine Sinclair Community Center, they've given us that space to, uh, to work in. But yeah, it's, um, you know, Zoe Tech is, a, it's the Greek pirate for Gwai for life to live. And, and we're just really, doing that journey of disconnection to being connected again to each other to our world to the natural world um you know and the people that come to see us we want to connect with them and it's yeah i guess it's just saying it like that it's simple but it's also it's a it's a difficult journey it is and it's so nice to be able to reconnect with others and to see that reconnection performed would be really nice as well. Yeah, that's that's kind of what we thought. So we're, I mean, the, the text that's in there um, that everyone says is their text is are their words on certain thoughts of reconnecting and what the natural world is to them. Um, so it's, you know, when we say natural world, we mean Mother Earth you know, what, what she offers us and what we offer each other in connecting. And it's, yeah, it's, we're learning as we go, right, Tyson? Yeah, we really are. We're just, it, it, and you know, we, we figure that the stumbling that's happening in our, that's all part of it and that's okay. That's totally okay. So we kind of bumble and stumble and, you know, I just have a very rough draft of, of a script that I'm going to bring today. <laughs> yeah, I know, very rough draft. <laughs> yeah, thank you, Tyson. And with that, don't go anywhere because there will be more about Theatre Terrific and their performance, Fringe Vancouver Fringe Festival, happening September 8th to 18th on The Self-Advocate on CFRO Co-op Radio 100.5 FM with your host, Alison Klein. Did you know that Vancouver Co-op Radio CFRO 100.5 FM has over 90 different shows produced by over 350 community members? This wide range of programming produced by our diverse group of programmers ensures that we have a show you'll love. We have shows on feminism, spirituality, disability rights, politics, unions, and parenting. We play jazz, indie rock, reggae, blues, and folk. 
We broadcast in a dozen different languages and have more First Nations programs than any other radio station in Vancouver. Find your show on Vancouver Co-op Radio, CFRO 100.5 FM. All different, all the time. You're listening to The Self-Advocate on CFRO Co-op Radio 100.5 FM with your host, Alison Klein. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Alison Mira. So right now I am talking with Susanna and Tyson of Theatre Terrific. They are having a performance at the Vancouver Fringe Festival happening September 8th to 18th. I will be there volunteering as always, probably dressing up in costumes like everybody else and all the other volunteers in wonderful costumes. You have to be there to experience it. And it's so much fun just to be there. For you, Tyson, for a person with a disability who wants to start performing on stage, what advice would you give them? While Tyson is working, I just want to say there's a quote in one of our programs that Tyson gave as his bio, and I think it's so wonderful. He says, when I'm with theater terrific, I'm not handicapped. That's beautiful. I don't know. I don't know. Fair enough. That answer is quite original. I don't know what I would tell someone else. You have to experience it, I think, as well, because everybody's different. You know, Tyson, what we work on all the time, uh, we have a ritual, a ceremony that we go through each time we come together. And it's about respect, self-respect, to honor yourself and to honor all of those in the circle. We always start in the circle that we are working with. So respect is number one. No matter what your experience or who you are, you are of value and we respect you. And we want you to honor yourself for even being there. Honor that. And then it's uh, rigor. <laughs> you know, it's work. <laughs> A lot of work. Rigorous. And then making art is risky. So we call it the three R's. Respect, rigor, and risk. Right? We take chances. We try things. Sometimes they don't work. <laughs> But, you know, that's what making art is all about. So, yeah, those are the things that we work on every day when we come together. Yeah, mm. to, take, to take that chance and to respect one another. I, I think respect is a really big one because, like I'm saying, we've had cast. We, we had one cast, I don't know how many years ago, and he'd been on Broadway with Catherine Hepburn, you know. And, and then you have people that come in and you know, however they enter the space, but that everyone there is equal in contribution. Everyone has gifts to give. They may be very different. They are maybe very unique, but they are to be honored. Whatever those gifts might be, that that lived experience, right? Tyson, I always say that people that come in, they have books in their library that we've never seen lived it perspectives and experience that we have no idea and we're honored that you would share those with us thank you don't be rude to disability people that's a big one that's a, a good thing to really understand don't be rude to mm. disabled people that is so important to understand just not to be rude and to see us for who we are for you, Tyson, what do you hope for the future for people with disabilities and theater? I don't know. Hopefully better and better, though. I don't know. I love that. Tyson, you're so honest. I love that. Right on. Yeah, you know, good, good question, right? I don't know either. You know what, Tyson? No idea. Just put one foot in front of the other press your wheelchair thing and just go forward, sometimes right, sometimes left, you know, yeah, totally. See where it takes you and just keep going forward. How can the listener find Theatre Terrific, Susanna? Okay, yeah, Google Theatre Terrific, 
just that's probably the best way. And we're on Facebook, we're on Instagram. Yeah, Theater Terrific. We have a website and it tells you all sorts of things. So you can Google us at, uh, well, it's www.theaterterrific.ca, but just put Theater Terrific in the search thing and we'll pop up. Our website will come up. And don't forget to buy ticket to yeah. the upcoming show for Theater Terrific at the Vancouver Fringe mm -hmm. Festival. Come say hi to me. You'll probably see me in my volunteer shirt with something on that's funky. Mm -hmm. We like funk. <laughs> Thank you both so, so much for being on my show. Mm -hmm. And I hope to see you at the Fringe Festival. Another theater event happening in Vancouver is with Real Wheels Theater. They are doing an online Zoom performance called In Camera. It is a free virtual presentation September 8th to 11th. 2022. I will be there. I hope to see you guys there as well. It will be so much fun. To find the Real Reels presentation in camera, you can find it on their website at r-e-a-l-w-h-e-e-l-s dot c-a or you can google Real Reels. This has been The Self-Advocate on CFRO Co-op Radio 100.5 FM with your host, Allison Klein. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Allison Mira. If you missed any part of this show or want to listen to it again, you can find it on anchor.com. FM or wherever you find your podcasts. To end out this show, let's play Better Miracle by Kiprios. Kiprios is a Vancouver-based rapper. Even though he doesn't have a disability, the song Better Miracle talks about having a better tomorrow but not a miracle. Enjoy more programming, everyone. <laughs> Today, my window, the sun came through. Today was the day I thought I'd look to my window. Felt the pain that I knew. The sun heard about it when he came to, came through. Good looking out, I needed you. Today was the day that didn't need rain. My window looked to me to make a change. The sun rising to the occasion came through. Good looking out, I needed you. Oh, 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 oh. Within myself, I'm gonna be okay. Remember, back then I've come a long way. The dream may never ever be the same, but came true. Get here with you, and that'll do. I know the road I'm on is not an easy way. Remember that I will define the path I take. The dream, yeah, I'm a dreamer. What can I say? Came true. Get here with you, and that'll do. I feel it's in my fingers. I know it's in my soul now. Don't need, I don't need a miracle. Just want to get a bit better. I feel it's in my fingers, I know it's in my soul now Don't need, I don't need a miracle Just want to get a little better oh, oh. I'm not asking for a miracle oh, oh. Just want to get a little bit better Full of regret for last time Memories 
to forget, never will mind Love, hope, the hope ain't enough, but it's alive And love, your love is the one to get me by my life It's never too late to get it right Memories, it for my mind throughout the night Love, hope, helps me cope with my life And love, your love is the one to get me by In the past, I let it die In time, I'll be doing fine getting by Cause now, it's the only moment mattering in life Today, different today, only today Yesterday, never the same, sever the pain In time, love and learn to burn into the night Cause now, it's the only moment mattering in life I feel it's in my fingers I know it's in my soul Now, don't need, I don't need an evil code Just one 